Enjoy Friday night dinners at the American German Club. Doors open at 5 p.m. Dinner, dessert, and coffee services are served from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. only. There's a live band, full bar with liquor and wine, including German and domestic beers on tap. $10 for admission and dinner is just $12. Visit AmericanGermanClub.org for more info. Southeast Florida Sediment Morphodynamics Contract Award. Morphodynamics. I just am fascinated. It's like sediment um, transport, how it gets from one location to another. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers announced the award of a sediment morphodynamic assessment project uh, contract that will examine sediment transport in southeast Florida over the next two years. The project monitoring and modeling will support the Corps' navigation and coastal flood risk management missions from Palm Beach to Miami-Dade County. And they awarded this to Environmental Tracing LLC of Palm Beach Gardens. Go us! The project will directly support the Corps' mission by identifying solutions for long-term sediment management and resiliency in southeast Florida coastal communities. Well, it's always nice to have a local company, you know, be awarded these kinds of contracts. And hopefully we'll be able to keep a close watch on the money and how it gets spent. Yeah, right. Um, Congress is just in, they, what they did was, I think, you know, many of you know my friend Michael Cutler. He is, uh, he was a former immigrations expert, uh, worked with immigrations and customs enforcement for many, many years, and then he became basically a uh, a whistleblower <laughs> is what he became, and he now does like, you know, kinds of blog talk, radio, a whole bunch of stuff, and he, I've had him on my show numerous times, but he just talks too much. I love him, but he just never stops talking, never takes a breath, uh, but he wrote a great article in a front page magazine that just came out the other day and he said that by blocking the emergency declaration which this moronic con congress did including a number of uh, republicans what they did was he calls it shields down and i agree by refusing to allow the president to fund the construction of a barrier so that in the most dangerous and highly porous parts of the U.S.-Mexico border, there would be, assist, you know, it would help the Border Patrol to keep people from coming into the country. And with all the congressional hearings and all of the government reports, and is it a crisis, it's not a crisis, and all this crap that we've been listening to, let me remind everybody that the figures are staggering, and they get worse Every time I look up, you know, I was um, reading some of the emails that I received over the last couple of days, and I started to add up all of the numbers. And it's absolutely crazy. How about the lower valley? This is an area which really didn't have a lot of uh, human trafficking or drug trafficking for a long period of time in El Paso, Texas. They just, and, and remember, didn't we have to listen to the El Paso mayor and then uh, Beto O'Rourke tell us that there's no crisis in El Paso? The Lower Valley Church in El Paso just received more than 100 migrants who were released by ICE. And so they're looking for the community to step up and pay for the housing of more than 100 Honduran migrants. 
Caminos de Vida Church told ABC7 there in El Paso it was not prepared to receive the migrants. A church member said the migrants were very hungry when they got off the uh, the Border Patrol buses. The church got them about 5 p.m. on a three hours notice. By about 6 p.m., some donations of food, water, and milk started arriving at the church. But the church needs water, food, sleeping bags, blankets, and diapers. And all I can say is, this is not a crisis. Even the organizations, which rightfully or wrongfully, because I think some of these churches really need to reread certain portions of the Bible, but these churches cannot handle this mass migration that's taking place. But it's not a crisis. Yeah, I don't want you to think for a second that there's a crisis because, you know, Nancy Pelosi said it's not a crisis. And if Nancy says it's not a crisis, then it's not a crisis. How about this? Okay, I'm, I'm just going to read you a couple of the stories that I've been reading in the last two days. Nearly 7,000 migrants were arrested in the Rio Grande sector in one week. 7,000 migrants were arrested along the border in the Rio Grande Valley sector of Texas. That is an average of 1,000 per day. On Wednesday alone, more than, this is last week, more than 1,300 migrants were arrested, according to the Customs and Border Patrol. Say, they said it was the second time in two weeks that, the, that many of them had been arrested. The Rio Grande Valley part of Texas has the highest number of migrants arrested for crossing into the country illegally. It accounts for nearly 50% of all arrests along the southwestern border. CBP says most of the migrants are families and unaccompanied children from Central and South America. And if the trend continues, they say the sector could reach up to 240,000 illegal crossings by the end of the fiscal year. Let me repeat that. By the end of the year, just this sector will have 240,000 illegal crossings. Does that not sound like a crisis to people? Does that sound manageable? Does that sound like something we want to see happening in our country? And then we have all the insanity that takes place within these you know, crazy groups that go down there. The Rio Grande Valley I'm talking about right now. We had performers from across the Rio Grande Valley gathered in front of an existing border structure in Brownsville, Texas, to host a no-border wall drag protest. Yeah, that's what I said. Um, drag queens with multicolored wigs and black pumps and chokers uh, said they were there. And uh, the leader of the group got up and said, who's ready to have a political time? We'll try to bring joy, positivity, beauty, drag culture to whatever this is, pointing to the border wall directly behind her, it, him, I don't know. Drag queens from all across the Rio Grande Valley, which sits in the U.S.-Mexico border, gathered in front of an existing border structure to host a no-border wall drag protest. All the money raised by the protest will go to LGBTQ asylum seekers. I'm sorry, but 
I think that the rest of the world must be looking at us and scratching their head and saying, this is, this is crazy. All of this stuff is crazy. Why would a country allow this nonsense to go on? And now, here's another big uh, story that I covered that was on Judicial Watch. Represented by an extremist nonprofit that files, that actually lists conservative organizations and a catalog of hate groups. Yes, I'm talking about the SPLC, the Southern Poverty Law Center. Well, guess what? They have now, um, they're suing on behalf of seven illegal immigrants who were detained in a workplace raid. They are suing the federal agents that arrested them. Wait till you hear this. I mean, claiming that they were racially profiled for being Latino. Okay, so you're, you're working in a plant that hires illegal immigrants and you get arrested because you're an illegal immigrant working in this country and you have a lawsuit against the Immigrations and Custom Enforcement agents, you say they violated your constitutional rights? I'm struggling here, you know. They guaranteed equal protection under the Fourth and Fifth Amendments to the U.S. Constitution? Really? Illegal immigrants are? Does that make sense to anybody here? Uh, uh, Because it doesn't make sense to me. These were people that were working in a slaughterhouse and a meatpacking plant in a place called Bean Station in East Tennessee. Agents from ICE and agents from the IRS raided the facility as part of this long investigation that had been going on into the owner's multi-million dollar tax evasion and fraud scheme. So now let me get this right. Michael Cohen's going to jail, and I could care less if he goes to jail for three years or 30 years, to be honest, because he's just such a sleaze. But he's going to jail for tax evasion and fraud. But illegal aliens involved in a business that was also trying to get away with tax evasion and fraud are now suing the agents under the Fourth and Fifth Amendments of the United States Constitution. Somebody help me out here because I'm having a lot of trouble with this subject. The owner of the business, James Brantley, pled guilty to multiple federal crimes, including tax fraud, wire fraud, employment of unauthorized illegal aliens, illegal aliens, and the feds say he avoided paying nearly $1.3 million in taxes by hiring at least 150 illegals and paying them off the books in cash. From 1988 when he started this through 2018 when he got busted and now the the veritable illegal immigrants that were getting paid under the table and should not have been working in this country taking jobs away from american workers are suing the i guess what they're suing is uh the federal government the splc the southern poverty law center said it was outrageous. The largest workplace immigration raid since the G.W. Bush administration. Law enforcement overreach, plain and simple. You know, help me here. Help me, Howard. Help me, somebody, and explain how, how that could move forward in a court. Help me. 
The defendants are nine ICE agents who are accused of using excessive force without any provocation. Apparently, they cursed and shoved workers. Let me tell you something. I'd like to shove and curse the SPLC. You know, I love this guy, Dan Crenshaw. I've been saying that over and over again. He is the uh, um, congressman with the eye patch who was hurt in in battle and who I guess it was the guy from SNL who used to date Ariana Grande. I, I can never rem- remember anybody's name, but he uh, he made fun of him. And uh, then they did a little segment. Together. What's his name, Homer? Uh, Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson and made fun of him, and then they went on TV together, and Crenshaw basically uh, humiliated him. He does that. He he has a way of um, addressing a subject head on and making the other person seem very very insignificant, and I I think that's awesome. He uh, he went after uh, Speaker Pelosi about this bill that uh, has to do with universal background checks. And, you know, again, Nancy Pelosi always says the same stuff in just different language. You have to read the bill to find out what's in it. And so uh, Congressman Crenshaw did that. He, he read the bill to find out what was in it. And, uh, and he found out, imagine, that uh, part about the, the you know, the, the bill that passed was they also included in it an amendment that in, insists or or mandates that ICE be informed when an illegal immigrant tries to buy a gun. Nancy probably should have read the bill before she got it passed. Um, and, and he broke it down in such a great way. Let me see if I can pull this up. Um, because he he really it it was an amazing presentation uh, that he did, and why does this always happen here on this website? It's like I cannot get it to play a video, even though it shows me that the video is there. You know, there's a little you know play button, and no matter what I do, it won't work. Yeah, well, so. How does that help me? No, no, no. That's not going to do it. No, there. There it is. There it is. Yeah, let's try that. Okay. Okay. Here we go. No, see? There's something wrong. But it was brilliant. And I I was just... um, All right. Never mind. It's... Obviously, I'm not supposed to. Maybe I'll just have to break it down the way he did for the listener. But, uh, you know, this this whole idea of universal background checks, first and foremost, we already have that. The vote was fundamentally about the question of whether or not the crisis on the border constitutes an emergency. And the answer is, of course, it does. It was also about the constitutional duty that the president has to enforce the laws that Congress itself created, including USC 1325, which makes it illegal to cross our southern border without documentation. Our Constitution actually requires the president to take care that the laws are faithfully executed. 
And while you uh, should be wary, he says, of executive action taken to bypass Congress and be wary of reprogramming appropriated funds, it's pretty clear, says Mr. Crenshaw, that in this situation, the president has the right to enforce our laws. If Congress had done its job weeks ago, this wouldn't be happening. It's a beautiful thing. It's good to have some people up there that actually understand what the Constitution represents and will stand up for it. Stay right where you are. We'll be back in just a minute. Enjoy Friday night dinners at the American German Club. Doors open at 5 p.m. every Friday night of the year. Dinner, dessert, and coffee services are optional. Serve from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. only. There's a live band from 7 to 11 playing ballroom, standards, party music, and German traditional. Full bar with liquor and wine, including German and domestic beers on tap. $10 for admission and dinner is just $12. Visit AmericanGermanClub.org for more information. Everybody, so we're going to vote on HR 8. This is the universal background check bill. Okay. First, I want to help explain to everybody what universal background checks actually mean. They, what they don't mean is this. They don't mean background checks at a gun dealer. That already happens. That's already absolutely required. We all agree with that. What they do mean is that you can no longer transfer a gun to a friend. You can no longer let your girlfriend or boyfriend uh, use your weapon if you leave and they're at home trying to defend themselves. They would be made a felon if they used that weapon. This is a pretty big overreach. And also, we have to ask ourselves, will it do any good? You know, what incentive do criminals have to actually comply with this law? Because it does need to be self-enforced. That's a big problem. The other issue is, and I talked to Houston police about this quite a bit. The, the other issue is, when we see gun violence, where do these criminals get the gun? And they answer, well, they stole it. Everybody, so we're going to vote on H.R. 8. This is the universal background check bill. He's absolutely right. And, of course, I've been saying this all along. So now, if I were to uh, leave my gun in the house for Billy to use, even though we are both concealed weapons permit holders, we could both be in trouble uh, if he uses my gun or i use his gun for that matter because let me tell you something we have a gun safe and when i open up that gun safe i'm grabbing the first gun that i can i'm not looking and going well that's billy's and that's mine and that's no 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 i'm going to grab the nearest gun the gun that is uh sitting right in the in the front or right on top and that's the one i'm going with and i really don't care who it's registered to uh, it belongs to our household, and it should be uh, available and accessible to both of us. But, you know, these people, they think that they're fooling us when they use, you know, oh, background, universal background checks. Who doesn't believe in that? Well, uh, it depends what you mean by a universal background check. We've had universal background checks. Uh, f as long as I can remember, I've never been able to walk into a gun store and walk out with a gun. I have two Go through a background check before I can buy a gun. I don't have to go through a background check before I'm allowed to rent a gun and use it in that gun range. But if I want to buy it and take it home with me, I have to go through a background check. Not only do I have to go through a background check, but I have a waiting period. And, and that all exists. None of that would have made any difference, for instance, in the Parkland murderous r run. Because those weapons had been purchased legally, 
in, in advance. And some of them, the one that was used in particular, uh, months, months before the murders took place. So this idea that uh, they, they're coming up with this legislation that would have prevented or challenged or changed any of what happened from happening is BS. And you need to know that. They have one agenda, and that agenda is to get everybody disarmed, unarmed. Because you cannot do the terrible things that they dream of doing in this country if you have an armed citizenry. That's all there is to it. Can't put no green uh, dreams, green uh, deals together if people are armed. Because at some point when you tell everybody that they have to, you know, uh, retrofit their houses and they have to do this and they have to do that, people are going to say they're going to rise up and they're going to say we're not doing that stuff. Stop it. And I love the fact that the people who are, who are insisting all this stuff are already in trouble. You know, all these freshman congressmen who came there to challenge and change the status quo and the big money and the blah, blah, blah. We already have an FEC complaint against uh, AOC, AOC, which alleges that thousands of dollars were laundered through a political action committee to her boyfriend. The Coolidge Reagan Foundation filed a complaint Wednesday naming the New York Democrat her congressional campaign, and brand new Congress, the company she hired to run the campaign, which allegedly paid her boyfriend, Riley Roberts. The payments were initially flagged in a blog post by political consultant Luke Thompson, who claimed Roberts was paid $6,000 by the PAC owned by the congresswoman's current chief of staff, Sakit Chakrabarty. Uh, Ocasio-Cortez shot back at the allegation saying the conspiracy, conspiracy machine is in full effect and it's been disappointing to watch professionals get duped and amplify unvetted posts as truth, treating journalism like it's a high school live journal rumor mill or something. What? No, I don't shadily pay my boyfriend. Come on and vet. The complaint, which was filed by the Washington, D.C.-based Coolidge Reagan Foundation, Reagan Foundation, points to two $3,000 payments made to Riley Roberts for, quote, marketing consultant services. The payments were made by brand-new Congress PAC and were made early on in the congressional campaign, probably when she didn't think she had a chance of actually winning, which uh, I'm sure there was that period of time, aren't you? Um, I can't wait to see. There's another one. You've got uh, the group noted in the FEC complaint that campaign finance law may have been violated, citing intermediaries that were used to make the payments, as well as the, quote, vague and amor amorphous nature of the services Riley ostensibly provided, end quote. The complaint also cited that the rather modest amount of funds raised by the campaign at that point and the, quote, romantic relationship between Ocasio-Cortez and Riley. It's not illegal for her to pay her boyfriend, but it appears they created some sort of scheme to avoid claiming the money as a campaign expense, according to the attorney who filed the complaint, complaint on behalf of the foundation. What exactly did he do for that money? 
The foundation has asked the FEC to look into whether the transactions might have violated campaign finance law, which state that campaign contributions shall not be converted by any person to personal use and that an authorized committee must report the names and addresses of each person who has received any disbursement not disclosed. The brand new Congress PAC officials have previously refuted allegations that the payments to Roberts were questionable with uh, the RNC communications director Zainab Day claiming Ocasio-Cortez's boyfriend was hired because, quote, uh, of his experience managing successful advertising and social media campaigns and that he is a professional digital marketing and growth consultant who specializes in social media presence and subscriber engagement. Well, then he's worth more than $3,000. Sounds all kinds of fishy to me. She also defended her actions in granting her boyfriend access to her to an email account, a congressional email account, so that he could have access to her calendar. So I've asked a number of other congressmen's spouses, which he is not yet, um, if they have actually got congressional um, email accounts so they can access their husband's or wives' calendars, and they all said no. No, nobody actually does that, except, uh, you know, these highfalutin uh, kids who have come to Washington to show us how all of this really should be done right, right? She's the boss. I heard her, so it must be true. Um, interestingly enough, the negotiator who helped get Otto Warmbier released is actually backing up the president and saying that it is very likely that Kim Jong-un did not know what was going on with Otto Warmbier. I mean, he did in the end, but that uh, uh, speaking Thursday in Hanoi, Trump, when he met with Kim Jong-un, said that Kim told him he was unaware of Warmbier's mistreatment, and the man who helped negotiate his release agrees that Kim likely didn't have anything to do with the treatment of the American student. Kind of interesting. Um, the buck does stop, though, with the leader of a country. Mickey Bergman, who is a former IDF paratrooper and VP of the Richardson Center, helped secure the release, and he appeared last night on the news to say that while the president, president could have articulated his words more clearly, that he did agree with this assessment. I don't believe they had any interest in Otto getting to the condition that he did. The evidence that I have for this is that the only he's the only American prisoner to which it happened and that it was an anomaly. Typically, American prisoners and hostages and detainees get back more or less in one piece. So that's kind of interesting, you know. You have to see how this shapes up. If I were the president, I wouldn't have said anything about it personally. Um, he got him out. And that's enough. Uh, defending Kim Jong-un, who is a ruthless dictator, those days should be over for the president. You might as well just uh, chalk it up to another learning experience. And, uh, and, and I don't blame Otto Warmbier's family for being a little bit distressed that the president would try to let the leader of North Korea off the hook for sending back a virtually dead son to them. And, and he was dead within, what, 48 hours? So please, uh, I mean, why, why are we defending Kim Jong-un in any case? You can be his best friend and, you know, whatever. Just uh, uh, don't, don't, bring, 
don't try to bring credibility to him in front of the American people, especially um, by using a young man who suffered so much and died such a miserable death and whose parents had to uh, make that decision when he returned home as a not even a, a shell, not even a vegetable. He was um, a, in, in so much pain, and it was a, a nightmare. I mean, I can only imagine what those parents went through then and what they went through yesterday when they heard the president say that he believes Kim Jong-un had nothing to do with it. Kim Jong-un was the leader of a nation that destroyed their young son. So Van Jones got all kinds of backlash. Much of it was pretty racist, actually, from his fellow Democrats uh, because he praised Republicans for their successful efforts at reforming the criminal justice system and just trying to make it fairer, particularly for minority groups. And according to the allegedly tolerant and racially enlightened elites of the Democrat Party, this praise makes him, what do you think they called him? And Uncle Tom. And they did use word like coon as well. You played yourself, Van Jones, way to be the Uncle Tom conservatives need. That was a tweet from Cardi D. Nikki, not Cardi B, Cardi D. Nikki said, the Nubian princess, you are a disgrace, you're weak and look like a fool. At least you're not crying again. The folks in the black community... We call you a house ninja. Van Jones, your attendance at CPAC is a disgrace, and it proves you are a sellout. I am so ashamed I ever believed in you having any honor. They don't care about justice reform, only making money off the backs of prisoners. If you trust them, you're a sucker. Well, maybe somebody should tell that to, uh, you know, Alice Jones and some of the other people who have been released from prison by this administration. Van Jones, uh, working for CNN, uh, all he was saying was that the Republicans deserve to pat themselves on the back for reforming a system that he thinks is unfair to minorities. The conservative movement in this country, unfortunately, from my point of view, is now the leader in this issue of reform, he somewhat sarcastically lamented. You look at Mississippi, a rock-ribbed, total conservative former jailer is now the governor. Governor Bryan cut the prison population and crime at the same time. Governor Nathan Deal in Georgia cut the prison population and crime at the same time. Republican governors are being tough on the dollar, tough on crime, and shrinking prison populations. They're stealing my issue, he added. His point being that the Democrat Party, which hypocritically bills itself as the champion of minorities, should have been leading on this issue. Well, I don't see why they're mad at Van Jones. Why aren't they just mad at themselves? He's right. You know, if they wanted to be the leaders in this area, they had eight years under Barack Obama, the first black president, to get something done, and they didn't. They had both houses in that first two-year period, and they didn't. So just go figure, right? Rashida Tlaib, by the way, uh, remember her accusing Mark Meadows of being a racist and then kind of being pulling it back when Elijah Cummings confronted her? Well, not so much anymore. I spoke truth to power, she said. I love when they use these like so-called cool sayings. 
Uh, Talib was rebuked by Elijah Cummings during the testimony after she ripped into Meadows for the racist act of inviting a longtime Trump family friend and employee to the hearing who happened to be black. Um, and she called her, you know, her a prop is what she did. Um, and now, of course, I apologize, she said, if that's what it sounded like. And then went on CNN. And when Allison Camerata brought up the interview, she said, uh, you know, she asked her, do you still believe today that Congressman Mark Meadows engaged in a racist act? She responded saying that his act was insensitive and claimed folks at home kind of gasped when that happened. If we want to talk about race in this country, that was not the way to do it, she added. <laughs> okay. Um uh, whatever you say. Meanwhile, Lynn Patton put out a great uh, meme, whatever, on her um, Twitter feed where she literally um, shows up everybody and all the phoniness that they are about. And she put up a picture of herself. And uh, it says, I'm highly educated. I'm not a racist. I'm not low information. I'm a professional. I'm not brainwashed. I'm not part of a cult. I don't live in a bunker. I hate political correctness. I'm a leader, not a follower. I believe we need a big change. I don't blindly believe the liberal media. I'm tired of politicians who lie and cheat. I support Donald Trump. Okay. What are you going to argue with that? This is not the resume of a prop, she said the other day, and she talked about her, her resume, which is pretty, uh, pretty good better than most and she was there to represent the president she did a fine job and i think in many ways that rashid talib and these folks they fall into the trap every time i don't even know that the republicans set the trap on purpose but the trap ends up set and they stumble headlong into it miss patton said what i would ask the congresswoman of michigan is why she takes the word of a self-confessed perjurer criminally convicted white man over a black female like me who's highly educated and rose up through the ranks of one of the most competitive companies in real estate spoke, spoke before 25 million people at the republican national convention and now works in one of the most historic administrations in history yeah zing